everyone. Welcome to Better Homes and Dungeons. This week we discuss why bringing an expert in is often a great way to show people how it's done. That was a bad pun. That was a terrible pun. <laughs> it's not as bad as the pun I had when um, I sent a game into Hearty Dice Friends. Okay. Um, which, which game? It, it relies on me saying a word with a different pronunciation to the way I usually say it. Um, mm, okay. The, the game I suggested was Kink Shamans, which was a yeah, game... Yeah, we did Kink Shamans, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it didn't win Game of the Week, but it was responsible for the uh, episode title, and I felt that that was... I could live with that. That was very that's, that's, that's pretty much a win in my book. Tell you what, should we take that intro again? <laughs> or is this, is this good? <laughs> no, this, is, this is great. All right, okay. P- people, Hello, listener. <laughs> people now know I'm terrible, which is perfect, which is what I was going for. Um, a- excellent. Um, I-, I am terrible in introductions, so um, Grant, who are you and what do you do? Uh, so my name is Grant Howitt. I am a tabletop games designer. I have done Spire and Heart and Goblin Quest and One Last Job and Paranoia. Uh, I live in London, and I, I am one third of Rowan Rook and Deckard, who are a who are a indie powerhouse, is the phrase that we like to use, a game design studio uh, who puts out indie games. Excellent. Who who are the other two thirds? The other two thirds are Mary Hamilton, who is very much the brains of the operation, uh, who does all the spreadsheets, the numbers, the bits that I do not understand. Um, and Chris Taylor, who does, uh, who was a sort of our head of mechanics, and so all mechanics are overseen by him. Uh, whereas I simply make the words look pretty, so people buy them. That's, that's broadly my. Uh, I, 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 I put words next to each other in attractive patterns, and also I write the one-page role-playing games. Do yes, you, um, honey heists and your um, goat crashes and what have you. Honey heist and goat crashes are two games I've got a little bit of experience with. I played. Um, Honey Heist, uh, two oh gosh, actually three or four times now. Um, oh great! What one was with the young man who was allowed to say hi to you at the beginning? Well, before we <laughs> that started. That was adorable. Recording. He's a good boy. He, he's he's the good boy. His little brother's the one that's going to start a criminal enterprise at some point. Um, well, as, as, as long as he lets you want on it, that's fine, I suppose. Pretty much. I mean, also, yeah. you know, we're Australian, so you know, it's it's in our blood. I, I don't want to say anything about that, but okay. <laughs> Thank you. That's not, not my place to say. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. It's all right. Um, no, you, you're fine, right? You can say it. That's uh, right. Of course I can. My ancestors <laughs> were sent here, one of them, because he burned down a, an, a barn in Ireland. So he, he might have... That's, that's, that's a pretty cool reason to do something. That's a, that's a pretty cool reason to be in Australia. Cause it, but, yeah. so, uh, the, the, the closest thing I have, um, one of my ancestors uh, died chained to a pole in Sweden. Done. In, in, in the middle of a castle after upsetting uh, uh, some sort of royal. Anyway, please continue. Sorry, I've just got a little bit of stuff there, so I'm going to turn off my camera because uh, Australian oh, internet is looping. terrible. A little bit, oh, but that's okay. are you on? Are you on um, copper? Yes. Oh, yes. Surprised you're, surprised you're getting video at all. Yeah, Australia, um, I, I believe Jeremy Corbyn described our NBN project as the blunder down under, and uh, unfortunately oh. he, was, he was on brand. He, he nailed it. <laughs> I wish no, he'd nailed the election, to... but... Uh... God, yeah. We, uh, well, I, used to, I used to live in Sydney. I was, I was there for a year and a half uh, a couple of years ago. It's a wonderful city. 
It, it's nice. I did actually see um, your Twitter post earlier today when you gave Vampire the Masquerade, as you said, a burn. Oh, yeah. And I saw that yeah. it said Sydney, Australia, and I thought, oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, no, I, uh, we moved out there for my, uh, for my partner's uh, work. They were working on uh, The Guardian Australia. Um, and so I spent 18 months out there just sort of sham. The, the, the thing which bothered me most about Sydney was it was... Um, I, I so I'm 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 an all right looking dude. I do okay in England. I'm sort of I'm sort of broadly well well represented. And then I went to Australia, and it's like I'm Gollum shambling around because everyone was so unutterably beautiful in Sydney. I couldn't manage it. Everyone was clean limbed and healthy and jogging, and they're like smoking three fags at once, hiding behind a tree in Hyde Park. I, I would argue, Grant, and say that you've definitely got some charisma going on. Oh, so oh, hey, hey! I've I, I I can talk a good game, but um, you can only you, you can only talk so much without going to the gym. <laughs> it's easier than lifting the actual weight. Easy, um, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> now, um, the, the the first thing I do is I like to open with questions that people have sent in. Um, okay. Because you know, and I figured you'd be kind of used to this. Although we don't have to try mm. and make a game this time, so that's okay. Um, well, well, it'll probably happen naturally. It will be one of the proudest moments of my life. Uh, graduating, <laughs> marriage, children. I got to make a game with Grant Howard. Hit me with we've, some questions. We've got a title, so, you know, we've got that going for us. Okay. Um, now, uh, Micah Abels asks, is there a particular format or process uh, that you like to use when creating content? Mm, content. So, like, I suppose, is that just sort of any game, do you think? Uh, all they've said is content, so I, I'm going to do the thing where I just essentially... Th that very Australian thing where I give the problem to someone else and then run away. Ah. Uh. <laughs> That's yours well. now, mate. Bye! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I, was, I love the way you got more Australian. That was great. It's delicious. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, okay, so... The, like, the, I suppose the style, I, mean, I think the format for a lot of my games is one page, as, as, like, as, as one can see, you know, they, uh, we, I write them out on a bit of paper, and uh, I, I, I write them up in a Google Doc and print them, and then draw on the Google Doc and add some notes and stuff, and that's mainly to keep costs down, because uh, that way I don't have to hire uh, an artist, I don't have to wait for another person to finish the thing, I can do it myself on my own time. Um, it's significantly cheaper. I made the mistake of doing of doing my, so my first few Patreon games were like full length things. Mm. It's like thirty five uh, plus pages with art from a, from like a commissioned artist, uh, which meant I ended up spending more money on it than I was making, which was a fool's errand, really. So by doing one page and keeping myself to that, it, me it just it means that it's, it speeds up the whole process and it, it it's an interesting challenge to try and do to try and fit. Like, can I make an interesting, exciting thing to fit on one page, which people can play and have fun with? But in terms of like writing our full books, generally, like every word you see, um, I wrote. I, I I I I write the books, and the way that Chris and I work together is that we that we're on Discord voice chat. I'm going to say about oh, about four and a half hours a day, perpetually, um, and so like. We'll wake up, we'll do a bit of work, we'll meet, and then we'll talk through different mechanics, we'll talk through different plot lines we're putting forward. I'll have done some writing, and I'll, I'll make sure Chris gives it the thumbs up and stuff. 
um, and then we'll and I'll take that feedback and go on, and then we'll make something which which functions in that way. But it's it's weird. It's it's not like it's not a normal way of working. It's, it's not like we divide up the books. It's like well, you do this bit and I'll do that bit. Like we have this very structured way of doing things. But I I don't think I don't I wouldn't want to work any other way. I've worked in um, groups with other people before. And it, it, it's never quite worked out. Uh, Chris, uh, Chris and I have a have a love and trust for each other, which comes from being busy mates for, Christ, nearly twenty not twenty years now. Hang on, how long is it? Fifteen years, give or take. Yeah, but about fifteen years we've been busy mates, so um, we know what's we 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 have each other's best interests at heart. I don't think that this, the the system would work if we didn't. That's that's really cool. Like that's I it's mean, pretty sweet. You, you you say oh you know this is no way doing. Who cares? It, I mean, li- listening to the games you guys make on Hearty Dice Friends, part of me is thinking, <laughs> part of me is thinking, man, I I would play just about every game that you guys make up in a mm. tight twenty minutes. Like the the <laughs> Pogs game that uh, you and Chris were talking about um, on the last uh, episode. Yeah. That that sounded awesome. This is fun, doesn't it? It does. So just 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 for, for your listeners, if they don't listen to Hearty Dice Friends, we 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 were we were mashing up. We were, we're throwing it. Hearty Dice Friends is a podcast where Chris and I we give game design advice, and we also we develop games. We're like we so we do the easy fun bit of our job, which is say, oh, what if we did this with a game uh, for about twenty minutes, rather than the actual hard bit, which is making the game. But we we, we we messed around and we have fun. And one of the things we were chatting about was doing a game where you have like bespoke pogs which represent your characters and you stack them up and the GM's throwing keenies at the stack to make it work. And it's quite exciting. Um but it's not I think I, I think I think the challenge there comes from like once you get this brilliant idea and then you sit it down and you're like, Oh actually this is a lot of work. We were just we were just joking around. This is this is a lot of work for a piss poor <laughs> idea. <laughs> but like we, we we certainly work well together, and I think that Chris and I have a... We build off each other in a really interesting way. I think there's an element of us pushing each other to try and do something harder, or like, or like okay, okay, this idea is really stupid, he'll never go for that, and we keep trying to one-up each other, and it ends with Jason Statham's Big Vacation. I, I was actually thinking the, the Jason Statham game then, because that... Mm. A, a, again, it's one of those... Like, okay, the, the, the two main games of yours I've played are Honey Heist and uh, Goat Crashes. Mm-hmm. Um, Broadly the same game. Yeah, like, yes and no. <laughs> similar, uh, yeah. similar themes. Yeah, similar themes. S- similar themes. You're an animal and you're doing something animals don't often do. Um, mm-hmm. and, and and while the parts are simple, the the moving machine is beautiful. Mm. Like I played Goat Crashes with um, one of my D and D groups because we had two mm. people who couldn't make it to the night, and we're like, look, we're here, let's play a game. And I just said, to you guys, look. Do you guys want to play Goat Crashes? And they're like, "What's it? What the hell are you talking about, Zuga?" <laughs> and I said, "It's this game where you're goats and you sneak into a party, and it's done by the Honey Heist guy." And immediately, all of them are like, "Yes, yes, brilliant." And I said, cool. "Right, ten minutes." And I immediately just I'm like someone's hat. Yeah, I, I drew like you know a, a three bedroom unit, picked ten <laughs> names at random, and then just described them a single adjective. I'm like, "Okay, this is a setup." Go. Yeah. And we yeah. ended up having two of the stupidest and funniest, greatest hours that I think our groups had together. Go, go crashes goes places. Like Honey Heist, it, it's, it's interesting because Honey Heist has the, kind of has the central theme for bringing the players together and that you're all there on the heist. And you're understood to be working together. And then Goat Crushers, it's sort of like we're all trying to get into the party, but you each have your own ridiculous mission. Mm. And it just 
goes off like it goes off the rails so fast. Like, I've, I've read it a couple of times, and it's like it's like trying to spin plates, trying to keep everything together, and trying to weave the narratives together. I, I, it does work. It's fun, certainly. I guess one it's one of the things about um, one page games uh, is that a lot uh, like they're often they're often lauded as like quite easy things for a GM to try for the first time. And I think, as I think, I think that's I think that's actually not. I don't think that's brilliant advice because they require so many judgments like every minute from the GM because there's so few rules in place it, most of it's just trusting to the GM and I think that they they, they, they are they are deceptively hard to run uh, properly I, I would agree and and what I'd love to potentially see one day is like a um like like maybe some kind of anthology it's like you know the, the grand mm. Howard animal variety hour where you've got like <laughs> your top 10 honey heist heists that people have sent into you and you've got like we a few basic guidelines we're gonna do a honey heist like an expanded edition so like, oh. like the plan was the plan was to see if we could make a 150 page coffee table book and as it turns out it was it, it was far too expensive to work and it was it, but, but basically we wanted to see if, if there was a way which we could sort of use that to generate some money for other serious projects and, um, Grant, I, I, I'm it. prepared to say that if you put that on Kickstarter, not, not necessarily a 150-page coffee table book, but like a just a decent little, say, you know, 50, 60-page little thing, mm. and you went to Kickstarter with it and saying, hey, look, here are the dozen best heists <laughs> thrown together no by GMs. We've, we've, had no, we've had an idea. Okay. And it is, it's the Grant Howe, Grant Howe Summer Fun Activity Book. I love it which already. Is, which is, do you, remember, do you remember when you were a kid and like, I don't know whether you had them in Australia, we had them in the UK, and like you'd get, you'd go in your car uh, and like, like you'd, be, you'd be going on a, you'd be going on a drive somewhere and to shut you up, your parents would get you one of those nice big, so there'd be colouring in, there'd be word searches yeah. and like join the dots and stuff. One of those, but it's a series of one page role playing games and also maybe some like word searches about bears. That'd be great. Yeah, so that, that's 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 an idea. That's that's one way we think because we think you're doing an anthology of, of something along those lines. Which be That'd be really cool because I mean I, I agree <laughs> with you. Honey heist and go crashes. When I'm running them, my brain is always churning like holy shit. I've got nothing <clears throat> to go on, so make something up now. Yeah, I'd stay open and listen to the players and work and and, and collaborate and elaborate on each other. Yeah. So I, I think for like say people wanting to try out. Um, uh, games like that, having that little bit of structure, or at least like a couple of guiding mm. tendencies, would be, you know, uh, a map. Yes, <laughs> a, a map would probably help. <laughs> People like a map. Yes, we we do. I I actually, when when I was playing that first game, uh, which we recorded, God, ages ago now, um, I actually typed up convention center floor plans. Oh. And because I didn't know what the hell to do, so I just well, found they, one and adapted it. Works, it. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, like, generally, if, if I run it at a con, I'll get the map of the con and use that, which is quite fun. So you, 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 sort of, you get to draw on it. Um, and uh, it, was, it was tremendous fun at Gen Con as well, because that's, like, it's absurdly big. We went, just... we, went, we went to Gen Con last year, and I, I still can't quite get my head around the, the massive, the, the scale of the Enterprise. You, you know the fun you could have with that? Mm-hmm. You could, say, have, like, a little earpiece and microphone that the players don't know about. <laughs> right? Get some okay. people to dress up in bear costumes. 
and at fudge the, point, the rules so they match the costumes. Exactly. Or, 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 or try, try. It doesn't have to be perfect, you know. People fill in the... Pre-gens. There we yeah, go. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And if any of the bears enter the room you're in, that person has to come in and do the things roughly as the other person's <laughs> narrating it. That, that would be a lovely reveal, just just, just to have like have, to have, have six guys dressed up as bears in the back, like, Ooh, and then run off. Quite quite elaborate, but um, exactly like uh, if, if, if we can make, get if we can get it to go viral, yeah, yeah. If you make the mission, okay, you're here to kidnap the top honey judge, and it yep, turns yep, yep. out that's you. And these people are narrating their bears <laughs> into just grabbing Grant Howard and carrying out. It would be a great way to leave a game. I can't think I was, of a better way now. <laughs> I was I, I was so I was running Honey Heist at Gen Con, um, and. I had, what was it, uh, we had four games, of, we, we had three games of Heart and three games of Honey Heist in the morning and the evening, which was far too many games, and the tonal whiplash between those two things is difficult, but uh, I, I I messed up, and I turned up late to, so I, I, I forgot that my last game was on, um, and I got I got a, I, I, I got a message being like, hey, is, is Grant coming to the game? And I turned up an hour and 20 minutes late and I was like oh god oh I've ruined it oh god oh, oh, no. and they were running Honey Heist and they let me play which was really the highlight of my Gen Con I think it was it was really heartwarming and like they didn't seem that upset that I like, they, were, they were having from what I could tell a better time than if I'd run it they were doing really well so I got to go along and be a uh, be a polar bear for a helicopter it was. It's a. Uh, it's quite a. It's quite a liberating system, Honey Heist. It's quite fun to just sort of drop into it because you, you you don't have to. One of the things I love about one shots uh, in general is the way that you get to live very quickly. You don't need to worry about what your about what your character's doing next week. You don't need to worry about survival. You just go at it and tell a, tell a good story and 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 bail out. Um, and it's quite exciting to have the opportunity to do that uh, in a in a one shot game. So I don't really get to play as often as I'd like. Yeah, I, I'm I'm one of those almost forever DMs, so I'm I'm like, well, I've, I've kind of gotten used to it almost. It's like, yeah, I'm just gonna run stuff with people, which is fun. And other people do it wrong is the is the problem. I've found they 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 simply don't do the voices right, and I'll, <laughs> I I I often I, and this is a real asshole. Oh, sorry, can I swear on your show? Absolutely. This is a real asshole's trick. I'll not only um invent NPCs but then voice them in other people's games and that's uh that's that's <laughs> rude doesn't quite describe that it's like well no no this, this is my game now this is my NPC he's French fuck you this is happening and there's like, like there's very much like like if, if if someone's jamming for me they have to they have to continually entertain me like jangling keys in front of a child otherwise I'll just start making up world around me out of spare parts I can't not make games. It's just how I am. I can't, I can't stop doing it. I was, I was looking, I was looking back at um, oh, some old pictures I had a while ago. It's, it's, it's back when I, when I was fifteen, and it's the old games workshop game Inquisitor we were playing, and like not a very good game Inquisitor. I, I always it means wanted, what? I always wanted to play it. You 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 experience you had the best experience with it if you wanted to but never played it. Yes, I also, it's a lovely I also, idea. I, I also read Sorry. the Inquisitor books. By uh, Dan oh Abner. yeah, D- Dan Abner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I grew up reading those. It was fun. Yeah, that, that had a bit of Gaunt's Ghost, a bit of Daring Do. Thought that was fun. Apparently, the last book's out now. Okay, I, th- I thought he pretty much ended it quite, quite, quite neatly. Where, where he's, I, I guess he sort of got himself set up for. But uh, yes, that makes sense. I, I, I understand. 
but I was uh, we, we were running in Krista, um, and it was, it was my first time running it, and uh, I, I happened to be running it on on like a canal boat in France because that's the sort of holiday I had when I was fifteen, and I was like, well, I've never run this game before, never really GM'd anything before. I'm going to try and write rules for motorcycles, and I think it's that sort of that sort of approach to games where I'm like, I don't know anything about this, but I am going to try and change it so it's better. And that that level of um, can do um, a, a, a real sense of entitlement to <laughs> to, to running rough to, to running roughshod over rules uh, has, yeah. has has enabled me to to get a, to get a, uh, a foothold in the games industry. Because I've I, been I've been writing games since before I could walk. No, that's not true. But I've been writing games for a long time. I, I think it's one of those things that. Uh, I don't know any DMs who do not subscribe to the rule of cool. If what you've suggested mm. is cool, let's go. Yeah. Which is, I think, the best way to go. And um, so so Blake Ryan Batman, uh, mm. who is apparently another Australian, um, mm-hmm. his, his is very basic. First thing that comes to mind, top GM tip, top player tip. Okay. Um, don't let Grant Hackett run away with your game. Don't, don't, don't Grant Hackett. Oh. Grant Hackett, sorry, oh. shit. No, no, I like it. That's strong. That's good. That's, it, that's my evolved form. It, it, it's a swimmer um, over here in Australia, I think. <laughs> the irritating thing okay. is I made that mistake like mentally preparing for this. I'm like, don't do that, Josh. <laughs> don't, don't mention. The, okay, it's Don't fine. mention the air thing. Um, what was it? Um... For the player tip, um, make dangerous choices. I think is the or like uh, make exciting choices and rationalise them later. I see an awful lot of people are like uh, an awful lot of people play it uh, play it safe, which makes sense if you're in a three year campaign with a DM who hates you and you're in these pre written dungeons and everything's preordained. You're like, oh, I'm going to tap the stick, just tap the stone. Pardon me. I'm going to tap the stones ahead of me with my ten foot pole and do the blah blah blah, and that all makes sense if you if, like at that point playing dangerously is foolish because there isn't the game about that. But if you're if you're playing in a fun game, uh, maybe it's like a short burn campaign or you've got big characters, you've got big stories happening, then players should be making dangerous, exciting, foolish choices all the time. And I don't mean like oh I'm going to go and do a poo on the king, but more like. I'm going. I'm going to argue with the king, or I'm going to steal the prince. That sort of thing. Fine, like like pushing stories together and understanding, like yes, ending other people's things and trying to build this collaborative story together. But you can do that by making dangerous decisions yeah. um, by being, and then also by being on the same page. As I'm, far as GMs go, oh, yeah, sorry. sorry, please. No, no, no. I, I, no I was going to say, say one of the uh, games I'm in, the the game where I get to be a player. Um, mm. Our DM has set up what is called a troop system. So you have okay. like your main person, yes, and then you play a bunch of support characters. And my main guy, I'm really careful with. He's mm-hmm. a he's a tabaxi uh, assassin by the name of Grebo because are they are they cat folks tabaxi yeah yeah, yeah. and yes. and Grebo okay. is the name of the cat from Terry yes. Pratchett's stuff mm-hmm. uh, because I don't have an imagination. Um, but all my other characters. Like, if I haven't had them long, I'm more than happy to do something stupid. Yeah. But the longer I have them, the more I'm like, no, I want this one to do well. 
I I think that like during troop play, if one of your um one of your minions dies in an exciting arcane accident, then uh, then this should level up your main character. I'll put that to camera. <laughs> so 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 you can start like so basically uh, your your main characters are the shadowy organization who runs the uh, who, who who runs the boardroom in the Cthulhu game, mm. and your other characters are throwing themselves foolishly into the teeth of some eldritch nightmare, and and, and you get their research notes back. Very good, very good, sir. But that's more Ars Magica, I think. I think this which is where the troop uh, play comes from. Mm. You had you had uh, you had wizards and. Um, Half wizards, and there's something called Gugs, I believe. Okay. So it's it's a strange game. I can't I can't recommend it honestly. Okay. As far as player tips go, um, uh, sorry. As far as GM tips go, uh, stop planning, and listen to your players. Your players will give you everything you need. The challenge comes from trusting yourself and trusting the and trusting the players to have control over your story. There is a a desire, I think, especially like if you approach role playing games as the same way you you go for like a novel or a, a puzzle or a system in that you want to try and represent everything. You want to try and have it you want to try and have it ready so when the players are so when the players confront you with this you're prepared and you've got the thing. But the challenge with that is that it's fragile. It's brittle. And you've got everything written down in your book and the players don't know this. So they're making actions based on things they don't know, which means that your story won't quite fit together um, as smoothly as it could. And therefore it won't be so engaging. And the easiest thing you can do is start asking players questions about what's going on because you're just making it up anyway. You can make it up beforehand, you can make it up on the spot, but it's exactly the same thing. And that if if you if you ask your players questions, it's the old D. Vincent Baker Apocalypse World thing. Uh, ask your players questions and listen to, listen to the answers. And with that, you'll start improvising a, a story which is much more entertaining and much more engaging than anything you could write beforehand. Um, and I think that the the challenge is that fear, the idea that well, if I if I let go of the story, it's going to go wrong, or I'm scared because because what if one, what if one of my NPCs dies, or what if they go in a direction I wasn't expecting? It's like it's okay, you're all just going to make it up anyway. It's all just made up. And I think the challenge is thinking on your feet. The challenge is like um, trusting yourself because I, I I believe anyone can do this, but I think that like, we are we are taught that the first thing we think is stupid. And we have to we have to try and work really hard and come up with things which aren't cliched and uh, are interesting and multi-layered and complex. And actually, what people want to do is tell a really obvious story that they made up. I I found um I I've been playing reasonably like like fairly regularly. Like I'll play at least once a week. Which for for me, you know, mm -hmm. full time job, married, dad. Yeah. Um, trying to be a well quite, quite impressive. You know, well-rounded human being. Um. <laughs> And I found that as I leveled up, shall we say, as a DM, being able mm. to let go of the reins was actually really freeing. Yeah. Because I wasn't spending hours like, okay, here, here's a warehouse or a casino that I want mm. them to rob. I'm going to draw out a floor plan. I'm going to draw out of this. I'm going to have a series of events. If they go this way, I'm going to do this. If they go this way, I'm going to do this. And the more I did that, the more likely they were to find the whole in all the everything that I'd done. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, right, I just wasted three... I didn't waste three hours, but I just over-invested three hours of my time. Mm. Tyler, um, one of my players, <laughs> he knows he knows what he did. Um, okay. And, and, and they will always find that one little thing. But I've discovered, like, look, if I just 
even use like a like a generator to like randomly generate a map and add my basic notes to this. Yeah. A, I'm done so much faster. Uh-huh. B, as long as I've got a couple of things there for each character. Yeah. And have something for them to go for. I found that mm. so much easier and I found myself just opening up and just embracing their chaos. I, I, I think I think that's really good advice as well. Like uh, tr- trying to find what um, trying to find what a player wants to do. So each each player will have like the, we definitely have types when we make characters. You know, I think that's that's not that's not like we, we, we can try and make wildly different characters, but we're always going to fall back to I'm going to say about maybe two or three archetypes because that's what we enjoy doing. I like playing a very a suddenly violent front man. That's my that's the thing I enjoy. That's what I, that's what I do, and by Giving people the opportunity to be like, well, I know this person likes lying to NPCs. Whether or not the character likes lying to NPCs, it's really immaterial. The character's just there as sort of a, uh, a diving suit for an imaginary world. And so by, like, well, I'm, I'm going to give them a really gullible NPC. Every game, there'll be a real rube who's ready to believe any shit that they'll, that they'll feed them. And that means that that person had fun. And I think that... That's the other thing is like when when you're when you're engaging and when you're coming up with things when you're trusting people on that and you're like well, okay here's a scene I'd like to see I I I think this NPC would get on well with the group and they're going to be in there somewhere yeah. if you think of it as rather than a rather than this map it's just a big it's a it's a sand pit I think rather rather than so we we, we talk about like sandbox adventures yeah. and I think that. The idea of sandboxing is like, oh well, well you get there and the entire world's set up and you can go anywhere and do anything, and that sounds pretty boring to me because actually I want I want a story that's that's crafted around my characters, and the the way which I'm interested in exploring sandbox gaming, it's uh, or sandpit gaming, is to have everything visible right from the start. Mm-hmm. So you've got you've got your your, your, your players sit down and you've got written on the wall okay here are our, here are our current plots and on the table here are the current NPCs and here are the locations and here's where they are point at them let's go talk to them I did see your tweet about really that clear. and I okay, and I apologize for interrupting I saw your tweet about that and I That's loved okay. that as a system it works really well, it's really, well I've, I've, I've used it twice um, we were we were in we were in Italy for uh, for uh, role play gathering which is a uh, a mainly Italian language con in Florence, but um, uh, we were testing out some 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 things for Spy Mission book uh, for the up- upcoming uh, one shots book, and just the idea of like, well, we're just going to write down all the plots. We're not going to be coy about any of this. This is all here on the table, and we can make stuff up as we go along as well. Yeah. But everything's written down here, and the players can just see because one of the I've noticed like there's like there's initially the awkward bit where it's like, okay, how are you going to get into the fun part of the game? No, 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 just put them in the fun part of the game. How how are you going to break into the wizard's mansion? Well, is the story in the wizard's mansion? Just start it in the wizard's mansion. That's that that's a like. There's no choice in there at that point. And I think like um, thinking in terms of fun scenes and factions and set pieces and uh, just adjectives and describing words and having it all floating around as this soup. And the players come in and they they too are thinking in this way. The players don't have everything planned out. They've just got the levers they can pull. They've got their character represented. Oh, I'm good at this. Like, oh, I'm, I'm a ranger, so I'm good at trees, and I can do that. And you can be like, well, I'm a dungeon, so I'm good at traps, and therefore I can do traps, and run with that. But it's, yeah, the, the less you plan and the more you stay flexible and inspired and open and listening, the easier and better time you'll have. 
I mean, it, that also kind of explains, um, oh, sorry, sorry, Honey Heist kind of explains that philosophy really well because you're dropping them right into where the heist is happening. Or at least I always have, like yeah. when I've played. Yeah, or, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Or Go Crash is like, there's the party, go. Mm. I don't need to know how you got there. I don't need to know how you found out about this party. That That's irrelevant. I don't care. Your goats <laughs> break in. Steal the drugs. Kiss I, the host. I generally, I generally do a um, a bit where I like I, I like to role play the bears getting the band back together, because because that's quite funny because they're bears. That is funny. And and like and like you like you'll ask one of the bears and it'll it'll be like oh so uh, so where do you live oh I'm I'm a retired face bear so I li- I live in a New York in a New York penthouse suite and then there's another bear and they live in a bin at the bottom. Of the of the apartment block, and like you get to play with, the, you get to sort of push at the edges of this weird world where bears are sentient and have hats, and no one can really tell you're a bear as long as you don't take off the hat. But well, you're um, definitely still a bear. You you have uh, heard of uh, you have heard of Corporal Wojciech, correct? Corporal Wojciech? No, I don't. What's that? Okay, uh, Corporal Wojciech. Um, I believe was in the First World War. He was a bear that um he was Classic. purchased in Turkey. By uh, I think okay. a member of the Polish army, mm-hmm. um, because he thought it was a dog, and he just bought it. <laughs> and so Wojciech became the um, the mascot of their unit, and Solid. in order to like you know get rations and, and get all that kind of thing, they they used him to carry ammunition. So they just right. enlisted him, and somehow <laughs> Wojciech got a promotion from private to corporal. But the, what what happened after the war is Wojciech was retired to the London Zoo, where yes, yes. a lot of his um, old army buddies would come and visit him. And I imagine to the That's absolute cool. shock and horror of, of the zookeepers, would sometimes climb in, have a play around with Wojciech, give him a cigarette, <laughs> give him a hug and say goodbye. <laughs> oh, God, imagine a bear smoking. That's brilliant. <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, bad, bad for the bear. Yeah, obviously, yeah, it's terrible. It, 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 it's, it's quite, quite. Yeah, I am a fan of bears. I'm a fan of bears. I'm a fan of goats. I, uh, I maybe, I mean, I will say that maybe any time anything bear related happens in the news, about four people like to tell me. That's quite important. <laughs> uh, but on, but on, 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 on the on the goat side of things, it means that I frequently get pictures of goats, which is still great. I love a goat. I'm not, I'm never going to be sad to see a picture of a lovely goat. Or, or like that um, Hebridean goat, I think it is the one with the full-on metal horns. Mm-hmm. It's got the yeah, horns there's, that there's grow so up, and then the curvy ones as well. And it's like there's so um, many beautiful goats. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, the the third question I got was uh, from <clears throat> uh, Jacob, who plays on the weekly podcast thing that I do. Um, Mm-hmm. He, his question is when designing a TTRPG how do you go about setting the scope of the project or is that something you think of uh, further into the process well I'm, I'm in I'm in a bit of a tricky position in my career now because like I used to back, back in like oh, 2014 2015 when I was sort of starting out I well, I was moving around the world a lot with my partner's job, so I ended up in different countries. I couldn't really work very reliably, and so I ended up just sort of just sort of fucking about for a bit and 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 seeing what I could do. Um, and so I'd have like six or seven games on the back burner, and they'd all be like thirty pages long, um, 
oh, like, like I'd have written 15 pages and there's some ideas and there's a bit of settings. Oh, I can't quite work out what the core... Blah, blah, blah. And you do that and you mess around. And it's fine. And, like, that produced some that produced some really, you know, some, some fine games. Uh, one Last Job, uh, Havoc Brigade, which I'm really proud of, but no one really plays. Lots of lots of great games come out of that, but now I have a I have a well, I have a responsibility to the business because like uh, Chris and I, you know, we we earn our wages from this, um, and so we need to we need to keep money coming in, which means that we need to keep releasing games and we need to keep releasing one page games to make the patron work, and we need to have uh, like one solid big hardback book a year. Generally, we're looking at other options, but generally we like to have a, like a one big Kickstarter per year so we can get that big bump in funding and also also just try and stay relevant so people can see us and people get excited about it. And so the challenges I'll often find, uh, it was a game it's called, uh, I was working on called Strike, and Strike is a, I was trying to write a, f- uh, a fast-paced uh, gunfight game. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up, I ended up giving it this like this this um, honestly pretty shallow cyberpunk rapper, and I was interested. It's about seven pages long, which is useless to me because I can't sell it. <laughs> I like it's uh, like it's if I if if I wrote the entire thing, we're looking at about fifty pages, and that would be I need to commission art, we need to try and get it printed. We're looking at getting a print run of, of at least a thousand. For that sort of thing, because if you're getting something litho printed, you need to you need to print in high enough quantities to, to justify it. Mm. And we've got storage on that, we've got promotion, and like while I'm writing that, I could be writing hearts. I could be writing the next uh, big uh, game set in the spy universe. We could be doing source books for that. We could there's product lines which we have which we need to which we've decided to keep taking over because people are excited about it and we like working in those worlds. And so, in terms of scope, generally, if it's a one-page game, we'll start. It'll start as an idea for a one-page game, and if it if it somehow is longer than one page, I'll just keep sawing bits off until it fits, uh, and just keep sort of bringing it down, taking out jokes and more and more, and like leaving less room for drawings of pigs. And I, I just finished a game uh, yesterday for James uh, James Damato. Uh, he's doing a collection of one-page games called Pig at a Wedding. Okay. Like the game is called Pig at a Wedding, and you have to try and sneak a pig into a wedding to humiliate the bride and or groom. And that's that's the full game. Managed to get that on a page. However, that's that's the. It's very. Ex- I'm, I'm honestly quite excited to play it. It seems like it'd be tremendous fun. It's hugely dramatic. It's like it's it's like Days of Our Lives or um like sort of, sort of like mid afternoon American soap opera scale of drama, but you've just got a pig hidden behind the vicar. I mean, they do ham it up right. on those shows. Oh yeah, very much. Oh, I get it. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> All right. Well, it's been a fun interview. <laughs> no. Um, I, I will so confess, as, as, part of me was like, Josh, don't lead with the terrible pun based on his last name. He's going to hang up on you and call you a prick. Just <laughs> drag you on Twitter. Yeah. No, I got worse than that. Don't worry. Um, deciding the scope of things is tricky, and I think that, like, as we've as we've developed as a as a studio, we've gotten much more into the idea of planning. So like we've got the next year to eighteen months planned out now, and we're going to start working through that. And like we try not to announce things too far in advance because we might fuck up and not do them properly. And often, like as I, w- I was talking before about about the the Honey Heist uh, coffee table book, hmm. we thought about it. We got some writers involved. We were talking to some designers and some artists, and we got everything planned out. And then it turns out actually it was too expensive. And so we had to we had to abandon that idea. But 
we didn't we didn't like necessarily announce it because once you announce something, if you then don't do it, it makes you look really unprofessional. So yeah. you have to be sort of coy about it, which is weird because like back in the day, you know, I'd 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 be like, oh, I've got this half an idea for a game, blah, 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 blah. or like I'd just write write a game's name on my hand and take a picture and post that on Twitter. And now I have to be a bit more coy. There's a bit more. Um, I've got a bit, a, a few more responsibilities, I think, as, as a designer. So yeah, we we try and think in terms of scope first. So it'd be like, so so uh, how long is this? Is this is this source book length? Is this core book length? Is this like a ten thousand word uh, soft back book which we're writing? And then we'll work out what's um, like. We'll take the idea and then we'll sort of mush around there. But it's very rare that things spiral out of control to the point where I have to put it into a different book. Is it yourself or is it Chris that's usually the one that's like, look, cool idea, dude. Write that one down. We'll keep it for later, but it's not going to fit in this. Always is Chris. You, it's always Chris? That's all. That's Chris's main job is to knock the stupid ideas out of my mouth. Because I have, I have, I have too many daft ideas, and also I don't quite have the. Um, I, I I bring a level of um, untrammeled enthusiasm quite often, which can be detrimental to my quality. I, I would say so, having having listened to I don't know how many episodes of Hearty Dice Friends, that mm. that is definitely a uh, a dynamic we can that that's you know quite observable in the in the relationship between you and Chris. Um, that's a yin and yang. Yeah. Yeah, well, Certainly. look, that's that's necessary. Like, you, you find the person... Yeah, that's how we work. Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of like being married. Like, you don't marry someone oh, who's for exactly sure. like yeah, you. Yeah. You get the person that pulls you and you push them. Yeah. It's 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 it's, it's been interesting. Because, like, cause I've, I've, as I said earlier, I've been best friends with Chris for so long. We, 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 you know, we work together every day. Um, we are, like, professionally involved in that way. And it's been interesting because, like, e- even before that we were working together, we were very close. And... When you're in a when you're in a romantic relationship, you have you have um, rites and rituals in place that you can say like, "Hey, uh, I love you. Let's get married. So let's have all of our friends over, and we'll have a big party, and we put on our fancy clothes, and we eat nice food, and we and we celebrate how much we love each other, and, and like saying, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna make this happen. We are a, we are a unit now. We've got this." There's nothing like that for heterosexual partners. Sorry, there's nothing like for, for sorry for non-romantic partners in that way like we don't have the rights the rituals in there and so you can't sort of announce that you can't cement that i find it's really difficult i, 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 I don't know what it's like for for women but as a man i found it very difficult to sort of say hey i, I really i i want to be special friends with you and so and so it's been it's been an interesting challenge with chris trying to sort of tr- trying to work out where we go because there's there's, there's so little language around that I, uh, I mean, it, I, it, it's I just, it, it's kind of like that moment in Step Brothers where I don't remember which one says to the other, did we just become best friends? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, there's, there's the element of that. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's rather exciting. Yes, I'm embracing you, you as the platonic ideal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I think, I think uh, if people, I think we, I think we should have something like that. Mm. Like like that I, I anime moment interested. of the like, two muscle dudes from I think it's Full Metal Alchemist, like they flex at each other and then they shake mm. hands because they recognize here is here is the other part of me I didn't know I needed. <laughs> Precisely. So Chris's job is to find ideas which I should um, not put into books and quietly pull them away from me. 
and so like uh, there is there is the riddling pig which I've been trying to put into every game um, I've <laughs> written and the riddling pig is a pig which drives you mad and eats your madness and um, I keep sort of just I'm just going to sneak this in here and Chris just and Chris just quietly he doesn't do it he doesn't do it quietly he comes along and says Grant no. And we take it out, and that's fine because I want a riddling pig, and I understand. And like, and like, and like, he pulled back on the goats, and there was a spire <laughs> class which involved um, mating with a stone womb you made to create monsters. And he was like, "That's really, that's a really cool idea," but it's not a player class, Grant. You can't seriously think this is something which people are going to do with their friends. Oh yeah. Oh, I didn't think of it that way. Yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> I yes, that that would lead to many interesting moments at the table, which might lead to people going, ah, no thanks. It's it's been in, it's been interesting as well, like um hanging out on the because we're we have a, we have a Discord, we have the Rowan Rick and Deckard Discord, and we didn't have that when we were generating Spire. We um like we opened it when we put out the Quick Start edition for Spire, which was released with the Kickstarter, so people were broadly aware of what was going on, but we didn't have the sort of fan community. And one of the great things about releasing Heart is we've had this community of people who are excited about our work, ready to playtest it and ready to talk about it and encourage it. And that's why the Kickstarter did so well, because we got the we got the capacity to get the game out there before before the yeah, campaign started. But there's certain th- and like and like I, I mentioned in passing, so one of the classes is the Deep Apiarist. Which is a um, a wizard who replaces their organs um, and morals with bees. Like it's magic bees um, which which crawl around them and sort of like rebuild their innards and give them magical powers. Because why not? And one of the ideas we had was like, what if they made honey and the other players could eat it? And like, no, that's disgusting. And like this this is a body horror game. This is a nightmare body horror dungeon crawling game. And we're like, actually, I don't think I want to write a game where one of the core abilities for a class is that another player comes and licks honey out your chest. And so we sort of wrote that. And then there was a little bit of uproar from the community. Like, oh, we can take it. Put it in. I was going to say, I mean, that does kind of in some ways fit a body horror idea. Like, I don't know if I could... Oh, I don't know if I could have def- it at the table without feeling uncomfortable. Definitely, definitely does. Listen, mate, two NPCs doing it, fine, absolutely brilliant. Have have that happening in the background, you know. Mm. But having but but the fact that not only do you do this, can would it be player on player? But it's required for healing, and you can just imagine precisely the wrong player playing the apiest. Like, mm, have a lap on that. It's 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 disgraceful, and so like we've. Like we do try and be careful. Like yeah, we, we try and give people the opportunity to play safe. I think in that the, that in is respect. a very responsible thing. I mean, I'll, I'll also, I mean, th- th- there's a lot of people who don't like things like lines and veils or, or consent tools or, or safety tools mm. in their RPGs. And like my my take on them is, well, no, because if someone feels safe, they're more ready to be vulnerable with you, Absolutely. and they're more ready to open up, and they're more ready to be either absolutely lovable and fantastic or stupid and more open like they would and be you, you can play hard you, like you, you can make exciting choices at that point and, yeah. and the idea is like I've I've very I think I've only ever used an X card or I've seen an X card used that like, maybe two or three times in the capacity of one of those times was me and it's not like it's very rarely like actually I don't like oh, actually this is hugely upsetting for me we stopped the game just like oh, I'd rather not lads I say, okay, cool. We'll move on, and you get and you get to change the thing. But that means that you get to like you're not super worried. It, it's, it's the fascinating thing because all the, the people who complain about lines of L is like, oh, I don't want to have to be worried about treading on. I don't want to tread on eggshells and upset people. Blah, blah, blah. 
And it's like, well, all you're doing is like, is you're saying that you have a social contract with your group, which you've established, and that's fine. And once you bring in someone from outside the social contract, then you're worried about upsetting them. If you have this tool in place, you won't upset them. It's, yeah. it's delicious. I think I think that the I think that the something which I chat about on HDF a lot. The BDSM community can teach the role playing community a lot because we are both. There's both these sort of these this like semi-imaginary world you go in. Both have this bleed back and forth between the person who you are in, when when you're when you're playing and the person who you are when when you're not playing. And there's this heightened sense of of um of emotion when you're in there. It's, it's almost kind of like a plastic reality to it, a role you're playing. And they have a great deal of aftercare tools. They have a great deal of um like safe words and um contracts and various clean things which let you say okay well we're going to do this safely but we're going to be exciting about this and role playing games are very, these very intimate things you have to go and pretend you have to you have to you have to, you have, to have emotions in front of each other I, I, and we I, often I think do if, it quite I, I think if you were to present it to some people and say look this is what they do you know this is what they do in the kink community there might be yeah. people who'd go well wait a second those people are awesome like let's okay that, yeah. this might be but again, also there might be a bit of parody about that, which is not nice. I mean, I, I realize I, I, this is called Better Homes and Dungeons, and there are a bunch yeah. of very bad BDSM puns in earlier episodes. Um, okay. But yeah, I mean, I, I I agree with you. I think there's. I mean, here's the funny thing. I I work with people, and I'm well aware of the perspective they have of me at work, which mm. is slightly grumpy, very serious, extremely professional. Mm-hmm. which is completely the opposite when I sit down to play a game of D&D mm. with people that I trust and, and that I very, very much love spending time with because I'm, I'm more ready to be open and stupid. Mm-hmm. So I, I absolutely agree with you. It, it is that, like, I am prepared to let you see a part of me that I don't always expose to people mm. that spend a lot of time with me. And I think there's even a privilege in that. Like, there's, there's something beautiful oh, in that. Sure. And, I, and I think that's that's great. And admittedly, the, the contract I have with all my players is, rule number one, let's not be dicks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's rule zero for yeah. us, actually. Yeah, don't be dick. I mean, if you suspect you're about to be a dick, back <laughs> off. If you see hey, dickishness is this dickish happening... dickish thing to do? If, if, yeah, if you need to ask... Maybe reconsider. Yeah, which, yeah. Which we we, we used to do the same thing. We used to do the same thing with um. We used to run a game called Zombie Larp, um, which I mean, clues in the name, right? You can pretty much guess what it was. Hmm. And rule zero. We used to have this quite elaborate um safety um chat because we were doing full contact, not full contact. We were doing um a buffer larp and nerf gun larp in a uh, pitch black building at three a.m. What, what's a buffer? Lamp? Oh, buffer. Um, um, uh, foam swords hit people oh, okay. with foam cool. swords. Um, uh, buffers in American. So, so, so strictly a buffer lap is when you have a like you know you get those pictures of Americans doing. I think some 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 Australians as well. Like they've got what looks like a pool noodle. Yes. And they're bat- hitting people with it. That is that is straight buffer. But um, like like the the idea of a lap where you hit people with things and you can parry and dodge and get out of the way and you've got contact. Mm. That is. I actually bought my youngest brother. Um, he used to play StarCraft II professionally, and his nickname in the community was Gimli because he's okay. he's not very tall, he's a bit chubby, okay. and he has long hair and a beard. So okay, sounds like a catch. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a professional StarCraft two player as well, you say? Yeah. So I bought him this axe to take with him to games because, you know, oh, nice. dwarves. I, I and, my axe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it looks great. Um, but yeah, I, I understand what you mean. So when making this game, you had like a like a really serious kind of contract, you were saying? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, and we, we had we had safety waivers and stuff, but we had the don't be a dick thing. And I think kind of the... It's tricky because don't be a dick, it's... It, it reinforces an existing social contract uh, c- uh, contract rather than building a new one. And like the safety rules being like, okay, don't don't poke people with weapons. Don't stab with like, weapons. Don't shoot people in the head. Don't uh, push or actually touch other people um, unless you're healing them. Don't um, don't fight on the stairs. And these are all things that, well, we've got to try and keep each other safe when we're doing this. And when you say, don't be a dick... There's an element of like, well, well, you all know, you all, you all know what it what it looks like when you're a dick, right? And I think that I think it's a it's it's a challenge because when we I mean, we haven't run it in years now, we we lost access to the property where we used to run it. But there's an element of don't be a dick. Well, if someone is a dick, they probably don't think they're doing that. And it's it's kind of a like I'm I'm not sure. I I think that that don't be a dick there is uh is us signalling to people who aren't dicks saying, hey, we're cool as well. All right, we're all right. Be be great, but it's 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 so it's it's very non-specific, and I think we that is true. I think there's something which we need to look at in that, but that's not hugely interesting. So please ask me another question. Okay, um, this is actually a question from me, um, and and it was okay. going to be how did you get into game design, but you've kind of ah. answered that one, which is you started breaking rules and saying how can I make cool things happen. But- yeah, very much so. Um, I think the first game I... The first thing I tried to do, I'd be about 13 years old, I tried writing a choose-your-own-adventure book, um, which was rubbish. Okay. And then I... But, like, like not, like, non-playable, unfinished. But I just thought it was a cool idea. Um, and then you've got, um... I did... Uncle Grant's comedy role-playing game. Um, that which could was, be a I great had, title for the uh, act- for was, your next activity book. <laughs> It was it was it was hot garbage, the game. Uh, so it was based on a on an uh, I think it was off an Angel Fire or GeoCities webpage. Oh god! It's a role playing game called role playing game called Zaibatsu, which was post Gibson esque cyberpunk. Um, and it was actually pretty tight. It was a rules light system which had some had some fun chunky rules for like Bioware cyberware, um, and some like quite natty ways of handling things. And it was like you uh, roll two d six, get seven or under. And get five or under if you don't have the skill, and it was a really crisp way of doing it. So for a first a first game to run, yeah. I knew everything I needed to do, which is great. And so I took that, sawed off all the cyberpunk parts, and wrote rules about me and my friends smoking weed and hanging out at school and defending it from masked terrorists. Um, I, I had I had I had uh, it's an obsession with marijuana, uh, which is which is I mean continued into a hobby. I can certainly say, but I don't write games about it anymore. Um, okay. That was that was my first game, and it's like I think everyone starts out with a hack. Everyone starts out with like with like seeing like I I I read I got Vampire the Masquerade, and I read that, and I didn't. There was too much of it to understand. It was too serious. It didn't. Mm. It wasn't camp, in that like it took itself very seriously. BTM, um, and so having the capacity to find something which I could read and understand, and then go, well, I'm going to change this. So the same thing with Inquisitor. I'm going to mess with the rules so I can have so I can have motorcycles, or I'm going to uh, hack this game so it's about me and my friends, or and just changing and chopping and messing things up as as as, as you go along. 
once you do that enough times, then you start to understand, okay, well, here's what the building blocks are. Here are the rules I can break, and here are the ones I'm, I'm going to stick to this time. And I think the hacking is, I think uh, most people, that'll be their first way into it. You do see a lot of people on Reddit who are like, hi there, I've decided to write a role-playing game. How would you stat dinosaurs? It's like, what? Oh, I'm terribly sorry. I'm getting a phone call. That's all right. I'll be right back. Of course. Right, where were we? Um, you were saying uh, people on Reddit ask, how do you stat dinosaurs? Yes. And I think there's the, the understanding that once you like, well, th th there is a way in which these things must be statted. There is a way in which modifiers must be applied. People understand the fact that there are stats and modifiers, but not where this is coming from. Like, there's, there's almost like that they are, they are, in, they are inviolable. Inviolable. I don't know how it's pronounced. Inviolable. Um, yeah, they, they are inviolable, and you need stats for this thing. You need to, you need to say how strong this dinosaur is. You need to say how tall this dinosaur is. And it's about understanding the limitations and what you're trying to do with the games and how you're trying to, how you're trying to, um, what, what kind of stories you're trying to tell. And as like, I'm sure I'll look back on the games. I mean, I look back on Spire. I'm like, what earth was I thinking? That's terrible. But that's just, that's my own, <laughs> that's my own, um, neuroses. But I, I, think, I think it's like, also we're, the lack of a professional being able to look at, you know, yeah. Hey, this was great when I was starting out, but now it's not something I, I would I would do anymore because I've improved. Mm. I I think that yeah, you you are improving. You are taking you're you're trying to learn for everything and grow and trying to absorb as many different systems of you, as as you've got and trying to draw inspiration from other things. And like as you as you as as you come along there, like if if, if this is something which you're passionate about, eventually you hit this this critical point where you're like, oh, I can do it now. But it's but uh, I've, my advice for any um, up and coming game designers is just to write games, write short games. There are so many people putting out one page games now. Um, after John Harper had the idea for one page games, then I stole it. Good man. And now, thank you. I stole it. I made it slightly more accessible because I can't do graphic design. And then some other people were like, "Oh, I, I can't do graphic design either. I might write a, a one page role playing game." So I was I was always endlessly jealous of John Harper because he's a, he's an excellent games writer, he's an excellent graphic designer, and he's an excellent artist. It's like, dude, can you leave us some room? Can you, can you, can, you, can you let us in, John? And so and so like I th I think being able to say, look, I've put I've put this I put Honey Honey Heist out, and compared to professional role playing games, it looks like shit. But it's fun, and you can play it with your friends. And why not try and do this? Yeah. And there's been there's been something of a movement of people coming and writing these short games, and uh, like they're scrappy and they're zeny, and they're a lot of them are free, and it's about getting these ideas out and 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 passing them around, and these 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 game poems, these uh, these sparks of imagination. And I think that's really I think that's really beautiful. And I think that we're we're definitely moving out of the era. Um, I think from an artistic point of view, we're moving out of the era where a role-playing game has to be this massive 300-page tome with hardback covers and riddled with art. Um, and we're coming back into something far more zenia, far more back to its roots. We think about it where it's hacked out of a different game and it's got drawings which someone did themselves, which is how Gary Gygax did it, I believe. Oh, not Sorry, not, not the Gygax, because um, I think um, Arneson... Oh, what, what, no, it's the, the, the third chap. Basically, Gary Gygax didn't actually invent D&D. He just stole the idea from someone else and popularised it. Well, but um, Most but creative the, people um, nick things and, and make it work. Like, oh, yeah, Spire's just nick You look at Terry Pratchett and his body of work, and he just freely admitted, I steal shit. Mm. 
fair enough. Yeah, it's 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 you, yeah, you shouldn't be ashamed of it. Yeah. Um, but it's it's exciting. It's exciting to see people making things, and I think that hopefully that the more the the more um, short works which we put out, the more excited and experimental and weird we can get. The more interesting things that we'll come up with. I'm seeing a lot of I'm seeing a lot of really cool things coming out of Itchio um, at the moment. I'm seeing a lot of like crap coming out of there as well because that's just it's 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 a big enough market. Like Drive Street is riddled with terrible products, well, but Golden Muck just that's just the a, same shaft. Precisely, and like it's Itchio is this interesting hotbed of people having these cool ideas and not really making any money out of it yet. But maybe soon, I would like to recommend uh, from that my the standout game from the Itchio community has been Sleep Away by uh, J Dragon. Okay, it just does it's so it's a belonging outside belonging game, and it has the most fascinating view of gender I've ever seen in any medium of a thing. It's gender as a Gender as a as performative taken to the extreme. It's really, really well done, and okay. it's a really lovely story. I cannot recommend it enough. Oh, I'll have to grab it. And um, Grant, the the last question I always ask, um, what do you do to take care of yourself and make sure you're happy and healthy and 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 all okay? Because I imagine okay. what you do is really intense, and and, and it seems well, like there's always that kind of like. Okay, we need to make sure this succeeds. Otherwise, this could go not very well for us. So, so how do you take yeah. care of Grant? Uh, how do I take care of Grant? Well, I I, I like to eat well. Oh, excuse me. I'll of be course. back in a second. No worries. Okay. No worries. From the top. Excellent. So, um, you said you like to eat healthily, or eat well, or, eat well, or... mm, well. Um, <laughs> I don't eat healthily. That's definitely not. <clears throat> But I like, like, if I'm working, I like, I like to get up in the morning and I'll have, like, fried eggs and bread and hummus and yogurt and salad and black coffee. And to try and, try and, try and get myself revved up for a full day. I like to, I drink plenty of water, is the other thing. Um, and I, I, I use marijuana to relax. Which is which is a nice thing. I'll I'll generally like most evenings. I'll 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 have some marijuana, which is still illegal in this country, unfortunately. But it's useful. But the thing that I really do to relax is I paint toy soldiers. I make I do conversions. I do Warhammer forty thousand conversions. Oh, cool. And I don't. <coughs> sorry. Yeah. Uh, I don't believe. I don't like the idea of having an unconverted model. That feels wrong to me. Okay. In, and just and just to to explain to your audience if they're not if they don't like so like uh, you if you just if you build models the way are in the front of the box that's just standard and that's fine and that works for a lot of people, many people who play games and the models have to look like a certain thing, whereas I want to make horrible monsters and I want to give them horrible little friends and they can all hang out on my shelf and then I never do anything with them, but I have I have a wild array of like half dead robots and demons and guys who live in barrels and dragons with trucks for heads. It's a bit like um, a bit like the next door neighbor kid from Toy Story. Mm, Sid. You know? Just, yes. Just sort of making these horrible things. But I derive such a great pleasure from that because I don't have to be good at it. And like, I'm pretty good at the converting part. I'm okay at the painting part, but that's not why I'm doing it. I'm doing it because I love the idea of making a thing of envisaging this thing in my head and playing with the bits and using the different parts as a palette and then making something which no one else would have made and which I'm proud of and which tells a story and has character and shy and like embodies a certain part of the broader universe of Warhammer as well 
Um, I, I honestly don't. I don't play much of the games. I find them quite boring. But I get a real sense of joy from doing something just uncomplicated. Uh, so uncomplicated in that way that I don't have to be good at. That I don't have to earn money from. That I can. That I. I still like it when people say nice things about my models and like. So if if ever anyone comes over to my house for a party, I'll be like. Do you, do you want to see my models? Come upstairs and look at my models, please. And I'll bring people up and I'll show them through. This one's really cool. Look at this one that's cool. And it's, I, I get, I get yeah. super embarrassed about it. Is there a chance I could look at one or two? Um, yeah. Have you got, have you got the, got uh, the I, I, I am watching you, yes. <laughs> only um, only on the agreed-upon camera, not on anything else. Okay, sure. Um, I'm, I'll, I'll see if this is going to show. Okay, we've got this guy here. Let me see. Hang on. I'm going to put my camera big so it can work. I'm not sure how this is going to work on the podcast medium, but here we go. All right. Um, I'll, I'll try and describe what is. I'm seeing. Essentially, what it this looks like is, is some kind of sniper person who's got like some yeah. kind of skull-topped mechandrite coming out the top of their head. It's, it's got a candle on it so he can see. Oh, that's cool. Um, and we've got a... Who's here? This guy uh, has a writing desk. Who is a full man? That okay? It's a full what, dude what, what, with what a it looks like is it looks like a guy <laughs> who is holding a really really cool sword and has kind of got like some kind of like he he's either been he's either had like the brains of the operation grafted onto his right shoulder or the mm-hmm, person that's what's on, happened or, or or the person on his right shoulder is like some kind of like. My body is broken. Your body is strong. Kind of arrangement. Yeah, like either or, death of the author. Yeah, and that's the sort of thing I like making. I like making little weirdos or big weirdos. I find that I find that tremendously calming. In fact, um, when the doorbell went earlier, I uh, that was me receiving that was that was me receiving two penitent engines from the new Sisters of Battle range, oh, which goodness. I'm going to stick onto these giant legs. Nice. <laughs> which I'm really excited about. You, you should be. That that sounds really yes. cool. I, I used to play Space Wolves. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, so I, I'd gotten out of it. I, I had to pick a hobby or two, and it's like, well, it's not going to be anything to do with Warhammer. It's not It's not cheap if you want to actually play the games. Yes, and and I have a, uh, a four-year-old in the house who, he's a hurricane. So it's like, yeah, little <laughs> things with little bits that fall off and need to be painted. Or yeah. It's like, yeah, that's not going to happen, Josh. Yeah, so. that's going right up his nose. You don't know how many times we've almost been to emergency with that exact problem. No, I, I've, yeah, I've, I've, got some, I've got some nieces and nephews who just, like, I, I find it fascinating how babies uh, exist. And they're like, I've got to understand this thing. Let's put it in my mouth. Uh, that's, that's like the baby's main sense organ for a while, because nothing mm. else really works. They don't understand smells. They can't see more than a foot in front of their face. So like, I'm just going to jam this in my mouth. Ah, fascinating. And then you can imagine it sort of resolving itself in the mm. baby's mind. And children just perpetually obsessed with with with, with trying to. Like when, I, when I was seven years old, I was like, I'm just going to stick my hand in this light socket and see what happens. And you know, it hurt. <laughs> but I could I could have asked someone about that. But I was like, no, I'm, g- I'm going to give it a go. <laughs> Ow! And I've never done it since. And I guess I learned. It felt like a little crab giving me a pinch. But <laughs> children children are real idiots. And I sorry. Children are their brains are stuck on on um, on learning at fast forward all the time. Yes, I think is yes. what we're at. Rather than being real idiots, uh, they are they are they are differently smart. From yes, us. I and think some that's, of them that's a good description. Are idiots. <laughs> <laughs>
Very true. Now, um, and Grant, if, if people want to find you online or join your Discord server, um, how would they do those things? Uh, you can find me online by going to uh, Twitter, uh, and my tag on there is GS Howitt, um, which, and that is all of my... Um, I'll tweet out all my games. I post I post pictures of models I do on there. There's some soft soft lit selfies, um, which is all very gentle. Uh, if you're interested in coming along to the uh, if you're interested in looking at the games I write, you can go to uh, rrdgames.com. That's Romeo Romeo Delta Games. dot com, and I'll get you to our to our shop. There's a bunch of free games on there. If you want to listen to me and my co-author Chris, you can go to soundcloud.com forward slash Hearty Dice Friends. Might might have hyphens in there. I don't know. Just search Hearty Dice Friend. It's not a very commonly used name. Uh, and you can listen to our podcast uh, where we, we where we invent games and talk about willies a lot. And then if you want to join the Rowan, Rick and Deckard uh, Discord, ask me. Because I don't know how to do <laughs> I don't know what to say. Uh, find me and ask me. I'll let you in, okay? It'll be cool. Uh, I'll just say, say you're with me. We'll work it out. Excellent. Hi, hi. Uh, I, I, uh, I, I know Grant Hackett. Yeah, get out. <laughs> get out. <laughs> Cheeky son of a bitch. And uh, I, I, I am Josh. I run um, this. Uh, I, I can be found at Nerdy People D and D. I don't have a Discord as I, I want to have spare time that isn't oh, that's in front fair, of the screen. Yeah. Um, and and I run I run Better Homes and Dungeons, and I run the two actual play. Uh, campaigns that we're running, both the Curse of Stride, but he's a railway baron, and the Cobalt Press Margrave thing. So, um, everyone, please love yourselves, love people around you, and 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 have a good life. Grant, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for having me. It's it's more than by listeners. <laughs>